0: Welcome to Missions Now, a podcast about anything and everything missions through the eyes of the missionary. Today, once again, we have the final episode with Pastor Isaac Wabomba of Calvary Chapel in Tebe, Uganda. And in this episode, Isaac is going to talk about some of the differences in pastoring a church in the West versus pastoring a church in Africa. He's going to give his advice to potential missionaries to Africa. He's going to share some of the things that he thinks that they should be doing, but also some of the bad habits that are easy to develop, especially in a place of severe poverty. And then finally, he's going to tell the story of a damaging cultural practice and what he is doing to try and reverse it. All right, Isaac. So tell me, what is... What's one thing you wish that the church in the West realized about being a pastor in Africa?
1: Uh, In Africa, I know people, of course, being that we are so distant, uh, someone may not realize exactly what happens, but you know, as a pastor being down there, you know, you are like looked at as the provider of all things, you know, Mm -hmm. first of all, you are the head of the church. And so apart from just heading the church, you people look at you as a father and so they are going to come to you even when you don't expect them to come yeah there are small things that you would think they can deal with as them but they are going to bring all those to you one is that they will bring every family problem yeah to you as a pastor fine mm. it's good that a pastor can solve that but there are things that they are going to overwhelm you with they'll bring their, their 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 needs first of all to you you yeah. bring their, of course, when they are sick, that is okay for a pastor to pray for them. Sure. But then the worst thing is when, you, when they know you are residents, they are going to knock at your door. Come every to day. your house. Yeah. Every day. Yeah. And that, to me as a pastor, it is something I can't avoid. It is something that happens even when you tell them, okay, these are the working hours. Come to the office at this time. I work from Tuesday up to Sunday. I can see you in those days. They will they will choose to come to your home at six in the morning. Sure. They will call you if they are stuck, and you maybe you. They know that the pastor has a car. They are going to call you when they need to go to hospital. Yeah. You have to be there and do that. And so, it's not like here where you know you have many means of how to deal with such situations. You have many pastors. And now the other wow. challenge is most like now I have pastors, but. They are few in number. They are not as many as I could hire them or have them on board. So you find that division of labor or work is not as easy as it is here. So I have to, some things I have to step in myself. There are things I will assign so and so and then the other things pending. They need someone else. I need someone to go and check on church plant. I need someone to go deal with administration in the office. I need someone to deal with uh, 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 facility works. I need someone to, you know, but we're not enough. And so at the end of the day, as a pastor, you are there like you have to work because for I work from Tuesday up to Sunday for sure. the church, I'm full time and I have to work there. And this is not because maybe the church is paying money to a pastor because one thing is that you, you, we are sacrificed to work. Uh, my wife has to work so that I can be able to work for the church Yeah, because we, that's how we are able to bring in income. Yeah. Where the Lord provides, we are, we are happy with that. And so, uh the comfort pastors may have here is not the comfort that we have back home. You find that some of some of some pastors struggle a lot yeah. uh, uh uh first of all with 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 movement with housing with feeding educating their own children is a very very big challenge yeah yeah, and this is what maybe some people don't may not know <laughs> yeah so entirely yeah. it's the church that can you know try to look into that some churches which are which are wealthy, which have uh, businesses, they are able to take care of their pastor. They're able to help the pastors with their needs and, and they're able to hire more staff and sure. then they're able to deal with those issues. But then if you don't have, like from my side, I see that that is the difference we have is that we face many challenges and people bring them to you. even Whether you have resources or not, they'll want you to solve their problems. So sometimes you forego your own needs for the sake of the other person.
0: Yeah, I don't think there are too many Churches here in America, where the pastor has his congregation coming to his house and knocking on his door <laughs> in the morning. Yeah, that I don't think yeah. that happens. So that too often. is
1: what happens in Africa all the time because yeah. people have needs. Yeah,
0: Isaac, what what is some advice you would give to anyone who is considering maybe moving to Uganda as a missionary? Great. Number one is to pray. Yeah, sure.
1: You don't just move to do things anywhere in this globe without the instruction of the master. Mm. If you think you know what God is going to do in the next minute, then you don't know God. <laughs> because God yeah. works in an orderly and directed manner. And I think that the first thing, even before you pray also, is the calling. Have you really been called into the mission field? Because mission field is challenging. Mission field demands that you sacrifice, that you will you put yourself at the front line. You are going to fight a battle. So you have gone to the field. So you are ready for anything. Yeah. So one is be ready for challenge. Because when you come down there, or it could be in our country, it could be in another, in, even in Uganda, you may land in the wrong hands. First of all, you're a missionary. You have come with high hopes. I'm going to meet believers. I'm going to see how things work. And they just turn to be people who are thieves. Yeah. They take away what you have. And I've seen some missionaries run away from the mission fields yeah. because when they came with resources, they were robbed. People they trusted took away their money. And they want to run away. And I'm like, where are you going? Yeah. Because yeah. this is one of the challenges you're going to get. So the whole thing is pray so that you'll go through these challenges. Because mm. this is where the valley is. Don't expect any, the green grass all the time that David talks about. Yeah. He makes me lie down there. Fine. But then he also lead you through the word.
0: Yep, the valley, the valley
1: yeah. of the shadow of death. Yeah. And he will be with you because you don't have to fear. So there is a point where missionaries may fear. So if you have not prayed, if you have not been called, yeah. don't try. Don't go for mission with the word, let me try. Yeah, You mm. go say, I have been called and here I am. Some people have gone to the jungles, like in the Congo, they have gone to you know, far away, remote villages, and you begin from scratch to work something. So a missionary should be called into the mission field. First of all, called to serve the Lord, but called also in the mission and should have a heart for the people. Mm. Because when you go out there, people are going to overwhelm you and they will bring every sort of need. But one thing I would advise is don't make people in Africa or in Uganda in particular to depend on you. Mm. If they depend on you, your work is zero. Mm. When you leave, your work is no more. Tick people the word of God. Let them come because they love Christ. Once they come because they want something, that is a mistake. Because most missionaries who have come down, they come with some simple money, reach there, have maybe buy land, have a tent, people come, they cook food, every every service, they want to cook food. Say, Sunday service, There is food after the meal. People come. So that means you're going to attract everyone because of the food.
0: They want the food.
1: Uh, Yes. Then midweek service, yeah, there is food. So at the end of the day, I remember when I joined Calvary, there was that. We were were cooking food every Wednesday. Yeah. And midweek service. And in 2015, I told Craig, no, you can't provide food because every time we went towards the end of the service, we would be full. Yet when we began, <laughs> we were a few people. Yeah. So I told him, you see, this is the problem. So let's stop the food. The moment we cut off the food, people who, were, who used to be, say, 150, they reduced to around 80 people by half. Mm. I told him now, these are the Christians. Mm. These are the believers. Because they come for the word of God. Yeah. So we have gone without food for all these years. The numbers went down. And the Lord now began bringing bring the true believers who do not expect that. So handouts are good for those in need. Fine. Sure. You want to help. You there's, want a, to, there's a time yeah, and place there for is, those yeah, things. Yeah. But don't put your place in the place of God. Mm. You position yourself, Like, right? For example, sometimes as missionaries, we can become gods, but we don't know. When the moment someone begins to tell you, uh, Pastor Steve, if it was not you, I would be dead. What is that person trying to mm, mean? Yeah. That You know, he he has completely put his trust in you. Yeah. But Jeremiah tells us in 17, 7, do not trust in man, but trust in who? Mm, in God. Yeah. So blessed is that man whose trust is in the Lord, yeah. and the Lord God is his own. And up there in verse 5, he says, do not trust in any man, not even those men who trust in their own strength, because God curses those people. So we want people to trust in God. And so any mission coming down, begin on day go, money, I don't have. Silver and gold, I don't have. I what seen. I have, I give, give to you. you. And yeah. that's Christ. And so once you begin on that note, these other things can come in once in a while. And after you read. I love when I'm compelled to give by the Spirit of God. Mm. I love when I'm compelled to receive by the Spirit of God. But not just giving even when there's no, necessary, no need for giving. I want to give because someone wants. I want to give. I see there I need. Fine. I want to be compelled to give. And when I'm compelled to give, I know that I'm giving for the right reason and the Lord is happy with it. And so when the mission is coming down, after identifying their calling, call not. You have been called to be a pastor in a church here and think you can be a missionary. Then you will find a challenge. First of all, as a pastor, are you ready for the mission field? Fine. Learn more about the mission field. too. Do spiritual mapping. So You don't just go land somewhere in the jungle and begin. <laughs> Have an idea how, what are the cultures of the people here? How do they live? How do they operate? What do they believe in? How do they dress? What do they eat? All these are necessary. And when you get on the ground, it's important that you get along to identify if there are other missionaries. How are they doing? Because yeah. you need team
0: to Teamwork. back you yeah. up. Yeah. Teamwork is very important. I agree.
1: Find yeah. people who are already there. Find out how are they doing? How are they able? to solve the problems which are on the ground. And in the process, they can even give you a hand on how best you can go. Some missionaries have come down again, fun enough. They come because they want to begin a ministry. Then they come with money and they just begin giving. They identify some few families which are needy, whether they are believers or not. They just stick with those families, stick with them, stick with them, stick with them. Then eventually they want to begin a church and then they say, okay, we have been helping these families, so we are good. Mm -hmm. But eventually, when they leave, these families... Like for example, a church today, there are people who are depending on the missions who began. But when yeah. the mission is left, they be, they still came to church and saying every month Pastor So and so was giving me 200,000 shillings. Mm. You, Pastor Isaac, you're not giving me the two hundred thousand shillings. Yeah. I tell you, my What don't are you gonna do? It. Yeah. Yeah, what am I gonna do? I say I don't have it. Yeah. So that's where the issue is. So people should be taught to fish and not to be given fish. And so unhealthy dependencies, they should avoid that. Pray about everything.
0: Yeah, okay. So point them to dependence on Christ, not on themselves. Yeah, and as they seek that,
1: then the Lord will compel you, will advise you how to give and which need and what time. Even when there are times you can have what to give somebody, but because you want them to learn how to pray and trust God, you can withhold it and say, okay, let me wait and see. I want you to pray Mm. today. I don't just want you to eat. I want you to pray, learn to pray, learn to fast. Maybe the Lord will teach you something. So eventually you are helping them become better. But where you are just going to say, Hey, hey, everything here, people will never learn. Yeah. Yeah, It will become a problem. And when you leave, it is something else, or you'll end up being their God and they just look at you as the person they do. So teach them how to depend on Christ, teach them how to pray, Teach them to trust God that you as a pastor will be able to solve some of their needs. Mm. Yeah, So they trust God for you to be able to get something. And Um, so it's very, very important.
0: I think that that was a great exhortation for anybody considering going anywhere on the mission field really should think through those things that you said there. Mm -hmm. Um, We're kind of wrapping up our time here, but just wanted to give you a chance. Do you have uh, any... Any story you'd like to share with anybody listening? Uh, it can be uh, of, of something great that the Lord did, something um, culturally that would that people would think interesting. What's a good story, Pastor Isaac?
1: Well, um, culturally. <laughs> Well, I, I've already shared about uh, the circumcision. Yes, aspect. that was that was an incredible story. Yeah, yeah. But then uh, I'll, i I can maybe I'll just give. Uh, is there a lot of demonic?
0: Yeah, there's, things there's happening. Of, yeah, there? there are a lot yeah. of
1: demonic things happening, and yeah, apart from just uh, uh, going around the graves, like I mentioned earlier, what I know is that also there there's the, a the clan that is the first to circumcise their boys. And that clan is known in the whole of our region. And that clan, they will take this boy to a river bank. The river bank has got uh, holes and they put mud, they prepare mud, very cold mud. So this boy goes by the river bank, they smear him with, the whole body, they smear that mud. Okay. And then before he lives there, there are snakes that people worship. And these are big pythons. Python. python. Yeah. Oh. They have, you know, beards and or the tail has, you know, sharp. So those snakes are washed by people. They are spirit sacral. That's why they call them to their spirits. So they come, you know, over
0: the boys' feet. And the boys are standing in, in the house. Yeah, yeah, by yeah. the river. Yeah, so they okay. come
1: around them. Also that. So that is the first person to be circumcised in the whole country. As far as culture is concerned, before the others
0: yeah. can do that. And how old are those those boys in, in that? They are tribe? 15, 16. 15, 16. Yeah.
1: So um, because of that culture, what I want to say maybe as a story is what I went through taught me a lot of things. Uh first is circumcision is not just it doesn't just end there. The horrible part of it is not going around the graves. That that is the demonic fine. It 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 initiates into demonic practice. It can also bring HIV transmission. But the other part, indirect effects of that practice is teenage pregnancy, Mm. school dropout, divorce in marriages. Mm. Why? During the initiation time, you know, when you are being prepared to be circumcised, day one, day two, day three, they they prepare alcohol. This alcohol is locally brewed in that from day one, it is That's the beginning of the brewing. Day two, and then day three, this alcohol has matured for people to drink. And that's why you are circumcised on the third day. Okay. Done. Now, during the dancing initiation, you hire very beautiful drums that sound very well. Yeah. So you go around your village, you go see your relatives who are far away from where you stay. They give you cows, goats, money, because they are trying to give you presents as you're going to be circumcised. Sure. Your dad invites big people, ministers, local leaders, to come and witness his son being circumcised because it's going to be brave. And so, in the process of this initiation and dancing, many girls and many boys meet. Because when I am having my son undergo that culture, I'll hire the drums. They'll be at my home. My son will go visiting relatives, come back home. Yeah. in the night and they normally love moving in the evening so you go come back at midnight with the drums all the boys all the girls even if you are sleeping in the house and those drums pass by the road everyone is forced to wake up and join
0: mm. it's
1: just it's just a, an appeas- appeasing thing to someone to you know from nowhere you join so when yeah. these boys and girls meet in the night you know what happens
0: Sure. so they are <laughs> going
1: to mess up and yeah. so many girls always drop out of school that way. Mm. They get pregnant and then get out of school. HIV transmission and so goes on in that process. So those are the indirect effects of the circumcision part of it. And so my own sister, who died, I think, when I was about, I think, one and a half years old. She was the eldest sister in her home. I, when I when I grew up, they told me she was very beautiful. Yeah. She died, I think, before she was 18. Why? Because she got pregnant. And then she tried to get rid of the pregnancy. Mm. And then she took local hubs, I think, then whatever she took. That's what I hear the story was. And then she passed on. But mm. my mom tells me she was very beautiful. I never saw her. Mm. They don't have a picture. Yeah. And I feel bad that my parents never endeavored to have her picture. Mm. Yet at that time, there were pictures. So I, there were cameras rather. Why would they have a picture? So it hurt me so much that why did that happen? So what I've decided to do right now, which I'm doing in my village, is to suppress the culture of circumcision. One, I go to families through the churches. I go to families where boys have been born. Once I go to a family where there is a boy born, I pick up the boy. I talk to the parents. I want this boy. I want to take him to the hospital and circumcise him. Mm. And I'm going to pay all the bills. Hmm. Do you like it or not? And then they say, fine, take him. Yeah. So when I take the boy to the hospital, finish. Yeah. Circumcise yeah. him, pay bills, treat him. Then from there, I put him in a club, a Christian club. And I disciple this boy. I want him to understand why we took him through that circumcision process, which is of the hospital. And then I want him, when he gets married, he knows he's a Christian. And I want him to learn that the circumcision done in a culture way in our place is not a biblical circumcision they talk about because they deceive boys that God told Abraham to circumcise mm-hmm. all the boys. And so that's why they do it. But it's not that way that God told Abraham to do it. We are doing it the wrong way. So mm-hmm. I want it to be done the right way. So we disciple this boy to become that man who is going to marry and will also have sons whom he will take to hospital. To circumcise. Sure. So I'm doing that as one of the missions much as I'm based far in Entebbe, but back in the east, that's what I'm doing. And then, because of the pain of my sister who passed on, so I am also going to have a rehabilitation center where we have the teenage girls. If you have got pregnant, fine. If my sister had been talked to by someone who was near and responsible, she would have given birth, then going back to school. Mm, But nobody nobody was nearby, so she died. So I want, if the girls... Maybe get pregnant because of some way or another, we want to have them catered for. Okay, give birth, have this child given to your grandparents, or have this child go to an orphanage if there's no father or nothing has happened. Maybe some of them are raped during that time of circumcision. Then we say, okay, can you go for a vocational training or can you continue with your education?
0: Yeah.
1: Until you finish. Because if that had happened, my sister would have not died. She would have gone because she was in high school and she was doing very well. So I feel that this can be done for the girls who are teenage mothers. We just want them, okay, it has happened. Talk to the family. Cancel this girl down. Let her give birth. Have the child, maybe in an orphanage, or have the child go to the parents and let her go back to school. Gain a skill that can enable her to take care of the child and have self-esteem as a girl or as a woman, and even get married the right way, other than just her. Because most of them, when they get pregnant, their parents chase them away. They'll tell them, go to the man. The Mm -hmm. man will say, I'm not ready for you. Then where do they end? Get another man, produce. Then the other one will not commit, chase them away, get another man, produce. So you find a woman has five children, all of them different fathers. Mm -hmm. So that's what we are trying to avoid. So that's on my heart, and that's what I want to share. And so... Through that, I also want to promote reproductive health. In my place, uh, we live in a mountainous area. We are neighboring uh, the one of the second tallest mountain in Uganda. It's called Mount Elgon. And so mothers who live in these areas are very distant from health centers. And our government doesn't have well-equipped health centers in all the areas around. You'll find that in my area, there are only one big health center is like 20 or 30 kilometers away. And mm-hmm. so most mothers give birth in their houses where there are no health attendants. Yeah, And so my, my plan or my prayer is to come up with a mobile ambulance where we'll have these mothers, have the nurses go to near where these mothers are in a given village, give antenatal care to that group of women in that village and keep moving to village to village every month to do that not care and then when the time for birth comes we can have these mothers taken to the hospital mm. give birth then make sure this child is immunized up to the age of 6 years then we hand over this child to grow normally in a family mm. so we just want to see how do we handle reproductive health how do we help the teenage mother how do we help the uncircumcised mm. boy not to mm. undergo horrible thing mm. so that's on my heart and that's what i want to do fantastic fantastic
0: well isaac I, I really appreciated you spending some time with us here uh if people are interested in learning more about the work in uganda or interested in su- supporting the work there how can they find out more information
1: well we have a website uh it has been undergoing reconstruction with our media department at the church uh, by the time I go back, I'm going to find out if it's done. Because on our website, you can find those details of how what we do and how best you can be part of it, prayerfully and also physically. If you want to come down and be involved, yeah. you can always contact us. My emails are always available. I think also even uh, our our partner churches like Philly here. And other church Calvary Chapel churches they have our contacts if you asked us we would always okay. be able to give so you if details. someone
0: searched for Calvary Chapel in Tebe they yeah. could find your website yes if someone searched for Calvary Chapel they would find our website okay website. great yeah. Isaac thank you so much for your time you're welcome and, and thank you all for listening thank you god bless all right guys that's all the time we have for today and that wraps up our session with Pastor Isaac I hope you've enjoyed hearing about the ministry happening there at Calvary Chapel in Tebe, Uganda. As always, tell a friend, feel free to share this with anyone you think might be interested. See you next time.